Hello, and welcome to the Movies Past and Present Podcast. It's Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2019, and this is episode 12. I'm your host, Stanford Clark, and I'm podcasting from the Crossroads of the West in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. Just like my blog, moviespastandpresent.com, I'll be providing recommendations, commentary, and reviews about current and classic cinema. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get started. Well, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Because of the holiday landing on a Thursday this year, some of this week's releases have opened earlier in the week, but all these films should be in a theater near you by this Friday. We've got four new releases to talk about. First up is Alita Battle Angel, which is a sci-fi action pick from 20th Century Fox. It's produced by the infamous James Cameron and directed by Robert Rodriguez. It's based on a graphic novel or a manga series uh, called Gunnam, I hope I'm saying that right, by Yukito Kushiro. And it's an epic adventure of hope and empowerment. So Alita is a cyborg. She's played by Rosa Salazar, but it looks like it's done in performance capture and that pretty much her character is all all, um, CGI. But Alita wakes up with no memory of who she is in a future world she does not recognize. She's taken in by uh, a character named Ido, who is played by Christoph Waltz, who is a compassionate doctor. And uh, he tries to shield her from her mysterious history, while her friend named Hugo, who's played by Kean Johnson, instead tries to trigger her memories. Uh, It's only when the deadly and corrupt forces that run the city come after Alita that she discovers a clue to her past, which is that she has a unique fighting ability or abilities, uh, and that those in power will stop at nothing to control her. If she can stay out of their grasp, she could be the key to saving her friends, her family, and the world she's grown to love. Uh, From the previews, and this also film was, was supposed to be released last year, and they pushed out the release date for whatever reason. Don't know if they had to make some edits or or what happened to it, but it looks ambitious, but really unappealing. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to see this one. Um, Alita: Battle Angel is rated PG-13 by the Motion Picture Association of America for sequences of sci-fi violence in action and for some language. Next up is Happy Death Day to You. It's a slasher horror comedy. From Universal Pictures, it's uh, written and directed by Christopher Landon, and it is a sequel to the 2017 film Happy Death Day. This film, uh, as uh, I guess Jessica Roth, she leads the returning cast of Happy Death Happy Death Day to You, uh, repeating uh, anyway this time. Our, she plays a she plays a character named Tree. Uh, she discovers that dying over and over was surprisingly easier than the dangers that lie ahead. Um, I'm sure it'll come as a big surprise to you. I didn't see Happy Death Day in 2017, and have no plans to see Happy Death Day to you uh, in 2019. It is rated PG-13 by the Motion Picture Association of America for violence, language, sexual material, and thematic elements. Next up is Isn't It Romantic, 
which is a romantic comedy from New Line Cinema, directed by Todd Strauss-Schulson. Uh, it stars Rebel Wilson, Re- Rebel Wilson, Liam Hemsworth, Adam Devine, and Priyanka Chopra. Or Chopra, probably say that right. Uh, I'm not sure if she also has added Jonas to her name. I believe that this is the she's the uh, Indian actress that just married uh, Nick Jonas. Anyway, I digress. But this film actually is so it looks quite funny. It looks like a great vehicle for Rebel Wilson, who when she's when they give her some good material, I think she can be you know incredibly funny. But uh, she plays an architect in New York City, and uh, things things just always go, seem to go wrong for her, particularly when it comes to love. And she has a, a pretty bad encounter with a mugger, at least seeing in the trailer. And uh, it renders her unconscious. And when she wakes up, she discovers that her life has suddenly become her worst nightmare, which is uh, a romantic comedy. (laughs) And she's the leading lady. So Liam Hemsworth plays Blake, who's a a client of hers, and it looks like he's the love interest. Uh, Adam Devine plays her her BFF, Josh. And Priyanka... um, plays a yoga ambassador named Isabella, whatever whatever that means to be a yoga ambassador. But this looks like it has got some potential to be really funny. So uh, for sure this one I want to check out. It's rated PG-13 by the Motion Picture Association of America for Language, some sexual material, and a brief drug reference. Last up is Fighting With My Family, which is a sports biopic comedy from MGM and WWE. Uh, yes, as in the Pro Wrestling League. Uh, it's directed by Stephen Marchant and produced, uh, shockingly, by former WWE star and current mega movie star Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So based on a true story, Fighting With My Family follows reformed gangster Ricky, wife Julia, daughter Paige, and son Zach as they make a living wrestling together in tiny venues. Uh when siblings Paige and Zach get the opportunity to try out for the WWE, the family grabs a once-in-a-lifetime chance to turn their wildest dreams into a dazzling future. However, brother and sister quickly discover that to become superstars, both their talent and their relationship will be put to the test. Uh, fighting with my family is a heartwarming and smart comedy, so the press materials say. That proves everything is worth fighting for when it comes to family. So, uh... I who never really know next to nothing about WWE, other than I know that The Rock was uh, was involved. Uh, I don't know specifically who the, who this is about, uh, who this brother and sister team are. So, could be interesting, uh, or or not. It's rated PG thirteen by the Motion Picture Association of America for crude and sexual material, language throughout, some violence and drug content. So, the four new releases this week. Alita Battle Angel. Happy Death Day to you. Isn't it romantic? And fighting with my family. Okay, for reviews, I just wanted to briefly talk about the lego movie 2 the second part i was able to see that in imax uh 
uh, during the week and uh, had had fun. It's 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 a a solid sequel. It's it's really an interesting treatise on dealing with sibling relationships at its core. As you may recall at the end of the original uh, the Lego movie, the little sister with her Duplo uh, shows up with her Duplo blocks, you know, those the bigger blocks for 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 younger children. And the, the film this film just continue, continues on that. Of course the kids are a little older, but it it uh, it's clever, heartwarming, terrific animation, clever plot, heartwarming plot as I mentioned. Not really as consistently funny as the first one. I thought the first one was pretty spot on, and they were able to keep the momentum throughout, which was impressive. This one is funny. Uh, it's got uh, a lot of uh, the, the the world that the, the, the little sister creates, you know, with her toys. It's the main character is played by Tiffany Haddish, who who is talented, but but I thought I thought the character was a tad annoying. Uh, this this kind of princess character, but. Uh, anyway, not the target audience on that one, and so just not as not so funny as the original. Still quite good, and and I did like like the heart and the the theme of it about uh, family relationships that that worked for me. So I think I think uh, you and your family will enjoy the Lego Movie too, the second part. Okay, we've got some stuff in Classic Cinema Corner this week. First up, just a quick report on my TCM Essentials Project. The film that I watched this week was City Lights, which is a 1931 film by Charlie Chaplin and starring Charlie, written and directed and starring Charlie Chaplin. It's really, I think, by by many scholars, including Jeremy Arnold, who you know wrote this wrote this book. Uh, it's considered to be Charlie Chaplin's you know, best work, or, or definitely one one of the best. It uh, tells the story of, of this uh, of the tramp, you know, Charlie Chaplin, who falls in love with a blind flower girl, and who does everything he can to try to get her some money so she can get the procedure done, so she can get her eyesight restored. And it's it's. You know, manic and and uh, slapstick and and funny, but also incredibly sweet in the best sense of, in the best sense of the word. One of the things that I was reminded about when when watching this and also watching some of the supplement supplementary materials, I I the I watched it from a Blu-ray disc from that I got from DVD.com, of which I subscribe to, and. It was ha it happened to be a Criterion Collection disc, so you know that, that was awesome because you know how much I love the Criterion Collection, and some of the supplement supplemental uh, materials talked about just Charlie Chaplin's 
perfectionism in his work ethic. He, you know, when he when he made this film, he was at a point in his career where the distrib- the film distribution deal that he had didn't the distributors didn't control his schedule. He did. And so he could just take all the time that he wanted and and thought he needed to create his films. He had a studio in Los Angeles. It's still standing. It's it's off of La Brea Avenue. It's it's currently the home to the Jim Henson Creature Shop, and or just I think just Jim Henson Productions, the 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 remainder part of the company that is not owned by Disney or or Sesame Workshop. But he, uh, so he, he, he filmed the, he, he did the films there. It's documented that uh, there's one particular scene where when he meets the blind girl for the first time and she hands him a flower that supposedly he had that scene filmed over 300 times. <laughs> Holy smokes. Uh, you know, just a combination of is it perfectionism or is it just, you know, kind of craziness or just do it yourself (laughs) ultimately but and also that was another thing that i had read that he he um, i think would have almost preferred to be able to have played all the different characters even though that's uh you know not necessarily not necessarily practical but an amazing work ethic and incredible attention to detail detail and again because of how he had set up this business deal he had the time to do it the way he wanted uh so i was Impressed to know that, and, and I just really enjoyed it. Found found it to be a funny and uh, really, really ultimately a beautiful film, and can see why it's considered to be uh, an essential. So uh, anyway, that's that's City Lights. Speaking of Criterion Collection, the uh, Criterion Channel, which is the Criterion's uh, streaming service it opens on April 8th so they're letting people sign up now and as a charter subscriber they're providing you just as a treat for the next few weeks until they launch in April uh, access to a movie of the week so they're just putting out one movie and and as well as the supplementary the supplemental materials that, that, that go with that, which again, make the Criterion Collection the Criterion Collection. But this last week, they the, the their movie of the week was uh, one called Chungking Express from 1994. This is a Hong Kong film uh, directed by the Hong Kong-based director uh, Wong Kar Wai. And this is the first film I've seen uh, of, of, of his. And... and uh, it's really supposedly, according you know, to the what what I've read or what and also what they say at Criterion, one of the defining works of the 1990s. It's uh, a film that put Wong Kar Wai on the map, the director. Uh, but it's really it's a it's got a, it's it's an interesting story which we'll talk about here briefly and uh, incredibly interesting, striking visual style. So I, I just really I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since since I watched it, but it's two it's two stories in one, and so basically kind of two parts, but not necessarily even even though in a way they mirror each other a little bit, but 
the narrative is very interesting. It's about two Hong Kong policemen, and and uh, they don't. So again, one, the first story focuses on one policeman. The second story focuses on another policeman. Uh, both of these men are heartbroken. This first one, his his girlfriend has broken up with him, and he uh, decides she broke with him on April first, and he's going to give it a month before he decides to move on. He's just going to he's given himself a month, and how he's coping with it. <laughs> this random thing, but he buys cans of pine of of sliced pineapple that have an expiration date of May first, and then he's gonna eat them. He's gonna eat them all on May first anyway. So he's buying this can a day. He's also though this this first story has a bit of a film noir element where he's chasing after this mysterious woman who's involved with a drug ring. So it's it's a combination of really stylish and kind of a crime drama, and then a a bit of a kind of a heartbreaking romantic comedy tied in with some film noir. It's, you know sounds bizarre, but I tell you, it was it it was cool, particularly with the filming methods that they were that the director was using on some of these chase scenes. I was very impressed. This second story is about, again, another cop, and he falls in love with, uh, uh, well, he's, he, he's, he, he's been dating a uh, flight attendant, and they break up. And, and so his rebound, it's kind of a rebound relationship, but it's a woman who works at this uh, takeout restaurant stand, and, uh, and she, so she's, she's a waitress. And she, uh, is, you know, you'll have to see it in order to get some of these details. But she manages to get a key to this guy's apartment. She's uneasy about getting having a relationship with him. But what she decides to do is when he's not home, when he's at work, she goes into his apartment and she cleans it. And so uh, she just keeps going back to clean. And... Uh, anyway, it's just, it's really an unexpected film. It's charming. Uh, it, it, uh, it's a bit, you know, it has all this romantic longing. I can't say that it's just necessarily full of laughs and some of it perhaps is cultural. If, if it, if it were, I'd, you know, I can't say I really got it cause it was, it was, uh, it was with in, in English subtitles. So it's, you know, reading the subtitles, but. This this romantic longing from these two jilted cops in this really unique story made Chunking Express a really cool experience. So I was happy again that the Criterion Collection provided that as our movie of the week, and I was happy to take the time uh, to watch it. So again, the Criterion Channel launches April eighth. I'll have links to the, to uh, to uh, where to get more information about it uh, in the podcast notes on the blog. For recommendations, uh, just want to to let you know that 
the February film in the Turner Classic Movies Big Screen Classic Series. It's going to be screening on February 17th and 20th. It's the uh, film adaptation of the musical My Fair Lady uh, from, from 1964, starring Rex Harrison and Audrey Hepburn. I'm really excited to see this film on the big screen. It's it's one of my favorites. I think that the the music by Lerner and Lowe is spectacular, and and the sets and scenery that were constructed for this film are um, are amazing. So I'll be I'm just so excited to see it on see it on the big screen and on the big stereo. One of the big uh, I think kind of challenges or kind of roadblocks I still have with this film was the fact that they the, the filmmakers chose Audrey Hepburn over Julie Andrews. You know, Julie Andrews and Rex Harrison had had uh, uh, played played these roles on Broadway. Rex Harrison, of course, as Professor Henry Higgins, and Julie Andrews as Eliza Doolittle. And Julie Andrews didn't get cast for it. They cast Audrey Hepburn as a more bankable star, but she can't. She really can't sing well. So they brought in a. They brought in a woman to to uh, dub her singing her singing voice, who does great. It's it's Marnie Knoxon, and she's got an interesting story. And uh, I'll see if I can find that and put put a, a story about her in uh, in the podcast notes as well. But regardless, My Fair Lady is 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 a wonderful film, beautiful film, and and uh, so excited to see it on the big screen. Again, it's going to be in theaters just two days on February 17th and 20th. I'll have links to it in the notes, but you should check, check your times. Usually usually the film plays twice a day, but honestly it depends on the theater, on what they what they want to do. And so uh, hopefully you can go check that out because that should be fun. And Also, TCM has has uh, Ben Mankiewicz, their, their nighttime host, do... Uh, intros to these so that that's always interesting you get some historical context or some other things that help in the appreciation and enjoyment of the film all right then uh it's oscar season as you know the oscars are happening on sunday february 24th and there are uh some some movie chains across the u.s are are uh, providing some some uh Best picture passes, I guess, for for lack of a better term, I think it varies on chain to chain what they call them, where you can where you can pay a flat fee, and then and then uh, see these. There are eight films that were nominated this year for for best picture. So, uh, for example, the local chain in, in in my market, which is the Megaplex Theaters, uh, they they're offering. Um, uh, this for $35 you can see each movie once each one of these eight movies once and they have them just playing on various times over the next few days you just have to look at the schedule um, Cinemark is doing the same thing they call it Oscar Movie Week it's February 18th to February 24th uh, AMC offers what they call the Best Picture Showcase and I think that AMC, one of the things that AMC does is they like provide. It's almost like it's a two-day marathon or something, and uh, it's not happening in, in the AMC theater in, in my market. But uh, so, so, but I'll, again, I'll provide links to these in the podcast notes. 
But the eight films, just as a reminder to you, the eight films that were nominated for Best Picture for this year's Oscars are Roma, The Favorite, A Star is Born, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, Vice, Black Panther, and Green Book. And uh, I've seen most of these. Actually, I've seen all of them, but Black Klansman. I'm hoping to see Black Klansman at this. But also, I saw Roma is it played in theaters for a few days but mostly it's just been on netflix so that's one i think would be really great to see on on the big screen and uh and then if possible maybe catch some, uh, a couple of other favorites too so uh that's pretty cool so best pictures on nominees on the big screen if that's your thing uh hopefully some of these Links that I'll put on the on the podcast notes in the blog will help you out. And again, the Oscars are going to be on ABC on February 24th. Well, thanks so much for listening. Again, links and more information about all the movies discussed in today's podcast can be found and the podcast notes on my blog at moviespastandpresent.com. Have fun at the movies this week, and we'll see you next time.